You're listening to the On the NBA Beat Podcast, a show packed with nuanced perspectives on the league's most important stories. Portland has three timeouts left. The Lakers have two. Brian, to shot! LeBron James with no regard for human life! Jordan. Oh, a spectacular by Michael Jordan! And now, your hosts. Lauren Lee Chen, and the twins, Aaron and Joshua Fishman. Welcome back on the NBA Beat. This is Aaron Fishman. I'm excited to be back here with you today after a long hiatus. We realize it's been a couple months. Lauren and I have been working on various projects. He will be back soon. This episode is just me. Me, myself, and I solo, Jason Derulo style. I have brought my own power rankings. It's my personal assessment of how good a team is currently. It involves no projection of how good I think they'll be by the end of the season or in the postseason. So current trends weigh very heavily, but there is an important caveat. It's not only current trends. Overall season body of work is important. For instance, a team like the Detroit Pistons that has won six of its last 11, but only a quarter of its games all season, it's not going to find itself middle of the pack just because it's won six of its last 11. Or on the other side of the coin, the Golden State Warriors or Utah Jazz that have been struggling really badly lately, of course you wouldn't find them near the bottom of the power rankings because those are two very good teams that have fallen on hard times recently. That said, I did my best. It's very subjective. I've divided the 30 NBA teams into five tiers, and I'll be reading them in descending order from the worst teams, according to my assessment, all the way down to the very best team. At number 30, the Orlando Magic. Number 29, the Oklahoma City Thunder. At 28 is the Detroit Pistons, aforementioned. At number 27, Lauren Lee Chen's Houston Rockets. At 26, the Indiana Pacers. And rounding out this bad tier, (laughs) San Antonio Spurs at 25. Now, before I move on to the next tier, I'm going to say a few things about three of the teams. I'll start with the Orlando Magic. As of November 17th, they stood at 4-11 and after their win at Madison Square Garden. Now, obviously, 4-11 and is not a great record. It's not very good at all, but it's somewhat respectable compared to where they stand now at 8-38. and They've lost 27 of their last 31 games and only won once this calendar year. They boast a pair of 2021 lottery pick rookies in Franz Wagner and Jalen Suggs. Jalen Suggs was out for a month and a half. He's now played in four straight games. So it's good to have him back for Orlando, but they're still a very young and inexperienced team. He's been shooting really well from the field, largely inefficient outside of missing some free throws and not having a good turnover rate. And Franz Wagner has been good all year. He is averaging over 15 points per game, shooting nearly 45%. Another exciting thing from this Orlando Magic team that has only eight wins all year 
is what Mo Bamba did on Wednesday night. He made seven three-pointers, and this is from a guy who is averaging fewer than one three-pointer made in each of his first three seasons in the NBA. And he also blocked three shots. He dropped 32 points. It was a huge effort from him. And if he stays healthy, he should be an exciting player to watch on offense and defense. The Detroit Pistons is another team I wanted to highlight. As I alluded to before, they have won six of their last 11 games. But in each of those five losses, they've gotten blown out, losing by at least 16 every time. And the average margin of defeat over those five contests, 29.6. So it's good that they're winning much more often lately, but when they lose, boy, did they lose badly. Cade Cunningham, who may be the front runner for Rookie of the Year at this point, but I think it's Evan Mobley. Cade Cunningham has been phenomenal lately. He's not the most consistent, but he's getting a lot closer to being consistent. If you look at the first three months of his NBA career, we're saying November, December, and January, he's increased his field goal percentage noticeably each month. And also the assisted turnover rate has been getting much better over time. So to dig into the numbers a little bit more specifically, in November, over the course of that month, he shot below 37% from the floor. December, it was up to 41.8. Now through 10 January games, he's shooting 43.4%. So not where he wants to be, but not bad for a rookie. And it does bode well that those percentages have gotten better every single month. He's also now at a best assist to to turnover ratio over 1.6, which of course he'll want to improve on that over the course of his career, but not bad at this stage. His turnovers are down from 4.1 in December to 3.1 per game. The San Antonio Spurs 25th on my rankings because you wouldn't think that they would be 17 and 28 based on some of their metrics. They should be theoretically more like middle of the pack based on their net rating and their average point differential. So their average point differential is minus 0.1 points per game. And they have the 17th best offensive efficiency and 17th best defensive efficiency so why are they so bad so many close losses and it makes sense because they're a young team and that's the mark of a young team unfortunately the same thing can be said for orlando the worst team on my list orlando's had so many narrow losses recently one bright spot for the san antonio spurs is Dejounte murray only 25 years old star point guard for them And he deserves to make the Western Conference All-Star team. He probably won't just because the Spurs have such a bad record. But what he's doing is historic. He's on a list that only includes himself, Michael Jordan, and Magic Johnson. And that is, I guess it doesn't really count yet. If he finishes the year averaging more than 19 points per game, 8 rebounds, and 8 assists, plus 
two steals per game, he will join that select group of guys. And I, I don't think I really have to say more. Anytime you're on a list with Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan, it's a good sign. I was looking into LeBron James's career statistics, and he barely missed joining this list one season. He actually did have a season where he was over two steals per game, but he didn't have over eight rebounds and over eight assists that year. So it's so hard to do all those things with that many rebounds, assists, steals, and points. So just a huge credit to DeJounte Murray. And you're going to be wanting to pay very close attention to him over the coming decade. He's a stud. There's an important thing I need to mention that I should have said at the top of the episode. These rankings and everything I say related to them, all the stats, they're current as of Wednesday, January 19th's games. So they will not include any of Thursday's games or any other days beyond Wednesday's results. So now that we have that squared away, we'll be going to the next tier of teams. There are only four teams in this tier, and they're not good teams, frankly. One of them especially had really high hope. I guess two, but we'll, we'll get there. But these four teams' winning percentages range from 364 to 432. Clocking in at number 24 to Sacramento Kings. Then besting them by one spot is the New Orleans Pelicans. At number 22, that team with sky-high expectations after its appearance in the Eastern Conference Finals last year, the Atlanta Hawks. Very underwhelming performance for them this season. And 21 is the Portland Trailblazers. Portland has had a sizable disparity in wins at home and wins on the road. At home in Portland, they're 14 and 11 this season. Pretty solid, above average, of course. And away from their weird city, they are 4 and 15. That's just not going to cut it. That is a winning percentage of just above 20. (laughs) So, They are struggling mightily on the road. Now, Damian Lillard has only played 29 games this season. He's going to be out for a while with abdominal issues. And over those 29 games, he was shooting a career worst 40.2% from the floor. Also, his points per game average is the lowest it's been since 2015. So it's been a a season-long struggle for him. CJ McCollum had an issue with one of his lungs that kept him out for a really long time. His wife also gave birth recently, so he missed a little bit of time, but he's back. That helps. And Anthony Simons has emerged in a huge way. Anthony Simons at just 22 years old, he dropped 43 points on the Atlanta Hawks on Monday, January 3rd. He's averaging 26.3 points per game over 10 contests in January, and that includes a 27-point performance Wednesday night in a loss to the Miami Heat, and that was with C.J. McCollum suiting up. So I expect big things to continue for Anthony Simons, and it's not just his 26.3 points per game in January. 
he is really playing a well-rounded game, averaging 7.9 assists per game over the course of the month as well. So I've unveiled teams 30 through 21, and shortly I will be continuing with the next tier. It's a very mediocre tier. Everyone is mediocre for different reasons in it. But before I get to that point, I do want to do a quick segment on teams that I call split personality or one-dimensional. And this was not subjective. I set a certain threshold. So this is the criteria for it. I wrote down each team's offensive rating and defensive rating where they rank relative to the rest of the teams in the NBA. And if either the offensive or defensive rating was 12 teams ahead the offensive rating or vice versa, if the offensive relative to the defensive differed by at least 12 spots, then that meant that they qualified for this list. And it could have been in two directions. There are teams that their defensive efficiency was significantly lagging their offensive efficiency or vice versa, where they they just haven't been able to put it together on both sides of the ball. There are eight in total, four of each variety. So I'm going to begin with the teams that have not put it together offensively relative to their much stronger defensive showing. Those are the Dallas Mavericks, interestingly enough, the Boston Celtics, the Los Angeles Clippers, and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, The Thunder, a team that has a lot of lanky defenders, guys like Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Darius Baisley, who just get a ton of steals and blocks. Baisley especially has been really good with blocking shots this season, and they pester opposing offenses, yet as a unit collectively, the Thunder rank dead last in the NBA in offensive efficiency. The Clippers rank 27th in offensive efficiency. It's been just a revolving door of players with all these injuries and players going in and out of health and safety protocol. Boston, 22nd ranked in the NBA in offensive efficiency, while they boast the fifth best defensive rating. The Clippers are sixth best defensively. Dallas is actually fourth best, but just 21st in the league in offensive efficiency. The four teams whose offense has been much better than their defense, let's start with the Atlanta Hawks. The Atlanta Hawks are the biggest disparity by far in the NBA. This has been a running theme the whole time that Trey Young has been a member of the Hawks, not that it's only his fault. They're the second best team in offense, and meanwhile, they rank third to last in defensive efficiency. Portland is 29th in defensive efficiency, and their offense is just mediocre. It's 16th, but still much better than their defense. The Charlotte Hornets have the fourth best offense in the league, while the Bulls have the third best offensive efficiency in the league, yet The Hornets and Bulls rank 26th and 19th in defensive efficiency, respectively. And now, the middle tier. I like to call it the Indiana Pacers from 2004 to 2009. The five seasons following Malice at the Palace, 
and their Eastern Conference Finals appearance where they were just very, very mediocre, winning between 36 and 44 games every season and not really doing anything too memorable in either direction. But number 20th in the first team in that tier is the Los Angeles Lakers, just finishing behind the Los Angeles Clippers. And I had it flipped. The Lakers have a slightly better record, but they lost to the Indiana Pacers in an inexcusable way on Wednesday night. And it's just, it's been a season long struggle for the Los Angeles Lakers. Their defense is one big reason that everything has gone south. It ranks near the bottom third of the league. But what LeBron James is doing from an individual standpoint at 37 years old is nothing short of incredible. He's just had a terrific season, and that's a testament to how truly great he is and and how rare of a talent he is to be doing this at this stage of his career with that kind of mileage that he's put on his body. Of course, they have been missing Anthony Davis for a lot of the season, and fortunately for the Lakers, he's expected to be back before the month of January ends. A very pleasant emergence that they've gotten is from Malik Monk, who is providing a lot from beyond the three-point arc, and he's also been helping them with facilitating and he's just been so consistent if we look at the games beginning on Christmas Day when the Lakers lost to the Brooklyn Nets Malik Monk totaled 15 points or more eight of those next nine games including that Christmas Day loss and of those eight wins he shot over 50 percent in each one and averaged nearly 3.8 made three-pointers per game. In the three games since, that nine-game stretch, he hasn't reached 15 points once. I think that Frank Vogel needs to play him a lot more. I think he needs at least 30 minutes per game. I think it's fine if he comes off the bench, as he has been recently. I would start him if I were coaching the Lakers. But as long as he's getting 30-plus minutes, preferably more, more like closer to mid-30s, I think that the Lakers would be in a lot better shape. He adds youth and athleticism to their roster, and I think that Avery Bradley is not as good defensively as some people, including the Lakers coaching staff, believe him to be. So we'll see if Malik Monk can get it going again and if his team puts him in a good position to succeed. At number 19, I have the Los Angeles Clippers, as I alluded to earlier. Number 18, the New York Knicks. Just one spot ahead at 17, the Washington Wizards. Coming in at 16, the Boston Celtics. Our friends north of the border at number 15, the Toronto Raptors. At 14, the Minnesota Timberwolves, who have been playing well as of late. At 13, the epitome of mediocre this season after losing Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. possibly for the rest of the season. Murray, of course, hasn't suited up yet this year, has a torn ACL, Michael Porter Jr. battling lingering back problems. 
and there's some speculation that one or both will be able to return by April 1st or so, but that remains to be seen. Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic, Monte Morris, Uncle Jeff, Jeff Green have collectively been allowing the Nuggets to tread water, but hopefully they will get some reinforcements back. If not, it's going to be difficult for them to be much better than average. They're 23 and 20 right now, had a hard-fought home overtime win over the Clippers on Wednesday night with Nikola Jokic just dropping a perfect dime in the corner to Aaron Gordon, who nailed the three with 1.7 seconds left to seal the victory. But that's an interesting team, really up and down, but it makes sense given all the adversity that they've faced. And that's the mediocre tier. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more show. Hey, listeners, it's Lauren chiming in with a word from our sponsors at DraftKings Sportsbook. We're on to the divisional round of the NFL playoffs, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is celebrating with a huge odds boost for new customers. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. I was a math major in college, and don't worry, the math checks out. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the action of the divisional round. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code TBPN, and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TBPN for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, NJIN or PA only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, this is Zach Weiss from Across the Cavs, and you're listening to On the NBA Beat. The reigning champion Milwaukee Bucks begin this year at number 12. Ahead of them are the Charlotte Hornets, who beat Milwaukee twice this past week. At number 10, the resilient Cleveland Cavaliers, who are having a heck of a season despite missing Colin Sexton and fellow guard Ricky Rubio for the remainder of the season. Number 9, those split personality Chicago Bulls, who I referenced earlier. At eight, the struggling Utah Jazz. The Jazz have lost six of their last seven games, but find themselves still in the top 10 by virtue of their 644 winning percentage and third best net rating in the league. A lot of the problems started when Rudy Gobert went down. He missed one game with a shoulder injury and four more while he was out in the health and safety protocol. And he is back now. Before his absence, the Jazz had the fifth-ranked defense in the league. And over the time that he missed, their defense ranked 28th, so third to last. Interestingly enough, the Jazz defense was so horrendous over that stretch that 
it dragged Utah's season-long defensive rating from 5th to 12th in the league. Also, there are a lot of teams bunched up between 5 and 12. But that is obviously uncharacteristic of a Utah Jazz team with multi-time Defensive Player of the Year Rudy Gobert in the middle. And they're still a really balanced team. They still boast the best offense in the league, but their defense will need to show improvement now that Rudy Gobert is back in the swing of things. At number seven, the Brooklyn Nets. A spot ahead of them at number six are the Philadelphia 76ers. Philadelphia has played really well lately. Interestingly enough, it's just 10 and 9 at home, but the 76ers have been really good on the road at 16 and 9. So it'll be interesting to see if they're able to start winning more of their home games. You could argue that it bodes well for them that they've played such few home games. And you would think that it's somewhat of a fluky statistic that they're just a hair over 500 at home and that they'll start pl- playing more like they're capable of at the Wells Fargo Center. But it's something to monitor. The East is just really deep, especially among the playoff teams and balanced, whereas the West is a lot more top heavy. And you'll see that in our next tier where four of the five teams are represented by Western Conference squads. Winners of 10 of their last 11 games, the Dallas Mavericks, the number five team on this list, are red hot. Now, of course, that doesn't include the result of their epic matchup with the mighty Phoenix Suns Thursday night. So it should be interesting to see what happens with that. Regardless, Dallas is playing amazingly well. As referenced earlier, It's actually not their offense that's been doing so well this year. They've been holding down the fort defensively, boasting the fourth best defensive rating in the league. Interestingly enough, their offense is down to 21st best in the league. It was eighth best last season, and two seasons ago, it was historically good, best in the league. So it's been declining every season. Porzingis has missed some games. Luka Doncic, and this will definitely hurt your your offensive efficiency when you lose your best player for a third of your game. So Luca's missed 15 of 45 games. The team went six and nine without him. They're 20 and 10 with him. So obviously a much different squad with him suiting up and healthy. One way they've been able to tread water while he's been out is Jalen Brunson emerging. He's like a combo guard. He can play the point. And he's now starting alongside Luka Doncic, and he's very efficient. It's virtually unheard of that you'll get a guard shoot 50% with the volume that he shoots. He's really good at getting to the basket. Very fundamentally sound lefty. He'll provide a little bit of everything. At number four is the only team from the East to crack the top five, the Miami Heat. They've also been red hot lately scorching if i'm allowed to be corny like that they have missed so many games from key contributors bam Adebayo's only suited up in 20 games 27 for jimmy butler kyle lowry's missed some games victor oladipo's been out all year markeith morris has missed most of the season 
and it's just that guy after guy, it's a cliche, but they step up when they're needed and it's the next man up mentality role players like Yurtsevin blocking shots and rebounding like crazy when he was needed. He wasn't even playing that much. And then Autobio and Deadman both got injured. Max Struess is deadly from beyond the three point arc. Caleb Martin has been really, really solid. Gabe Vincent doing his job when needed. And the list goes on and on. At number three are the Golden State Warriors. They boast a 727 winning percentage, but they've lost five of their last eight games. They deserve a very high rating, though. They are just an incredible team. They have had a number of young guys fill in when they've been needed to. Jordan Poole's been really good this season from beyond the arc, and just providing that scoring punch. Clay Thompson didn't return until Sunday, January 9th. And then Draymond Green, just for the ceremonial aspect of it, he started that game, but he left a few seconds in because of his calf injury. And he'll be out at least another week and a half or so. So I'm not going to cite a stat with this one, but look out for those Warriors Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, and Stephen Curry, outside of those few seconds that I alluded to that certainly don't count, have not been together on the court this season. And that could be on the horizon starting probably early February. So that's awfully scary if you're another team around the league. At number two, the surging Memphis Grizzlies. How hot have the Grizzlies been? Well, their record stands at 31-16, and 16, and they have won 12 of their last 16 games, dating back to December 26th. So they've only lost twice this calendar year, and Desmond Bain has been a huge reason why. He's taken on an expanded role given the departure of Grayson Allen in the offseason, and also with Dylan Brooks battling various injuries and going in and out of the health and safety protocols. In year two of his NBA career, Desmond Bain has increased his scoring average from 9.2 to 17.7 points per game. He's maintained his field goal percentage, which is at 47%, and three-point has barely declined. It's 42%, which is phenomenal when you consider that he attempts nearly seven threes per game. He also gets over a steal per game and half a block. He's averaging per game. Unfortunately, Desmond Bain now is in health and safety protocol. This Grizzlies team is very resilient. They've had a number of role players step up and expand their role. And Ja Morant was out during the season. And the team didn't really skip a beat when he was gone. Now he's back. And they're just a joy to watch. Also, they rank in the top 10 in both offensive and defensive efficiency. Without further ado, and you should know by process of elimination who the number one team is, it's the Phoenix Suns. We're going to the desert for this one. Since I watched them in person lose to the Los Angeles Clippers on Monday, December 14th in what was then known as Staples Center, they have reeled off 13 wins in 17 games, only losing to Golden State, Memphis, 
Boston and Miami. Of course, two of those teams that they lost to are also in the top five with them, Golden State and Memphis. Chris Paul is one guy that I really think deserves a ton of credit for this team that lost in the NBA Finals to the Bucks last year, now just coming back even better the following season. Chris Paul's played in every single game, and that's been a problem. His durability has been a major issue throughout the course of his career, especially in his later years now. He will be 37 in early May, so he's 36. And he's reduced his field goal attempts, which makes sense given how deep that squad is. And he's now up to 10 assists per game. That's his best average since the 2015-16 season with Los Angeles Clippers when he was only 30 years old. Also, his turnover rate is noticeably better than it was that season. So he is just doing a heck of a job and... I could go through that entire roster when DeAndre Ayton went down, JaVale McGee stepped up and then he was out and Jalen Smith did a really good job filling in. They even added Bismack Bayumbo, who has done a great job. He's another example of a guy who was out of the league and because of all these players and health and safety protocols has been welcomed back into the NBA, at least for a short while, and he's really proven his worth. Lance Stevenson, that's another good example, but I digress. This has been fun. I hope you enjoyed my very subjective power rankings. Love to hear how you agree or disagree, but we will be back, and it will definitely not be two months before we're back again with episodes that are more like most of ours, where their interviews with beat reporters from around the league. That's really what we like to do, our favorite thing. So we look forward to doing that and are excited to see you then. Hey, it's Lauren popping in again for the outro. Huge, huge, huge shout out to Aaron for his rankings. And again, whether you agree or disagree, we welcome all debate and comments on Twitter at OnTheNBABeat. Or if you want to share your thoughts with Aaron personally, it's by Aaron Fish. Of course, your host for this episode was Aaron Fishman with minor editing and production help from me, Lauren Lee Chen. As always, you can listen to more episodes and subscribe to the show by searching on the NBA beat wherever podcasts are found. Ratings and reviews are always appreciated as they really do help more people find the show. On the NBA beat is part of the Basketball Podcast Network.